This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Kyle is out today. Once again, I got him for a day yesterday to record. Hopefully, we get some stability back in our schedules and ability to record together. But it doesn't matter because I have an absolutely electric guest for you today. Mr. Fred Carey is the CEO of Idea Pros. This guy is not somebody who just runs a website. He's not just a pretty face on Instagram, even though he has over 500,000 followers who go to him daily for his advice. He has started at least 10 companies, taken several public had several acquired, and he just wants to give back and teach other people about how to be a successful entrepreneur. I know I, for one, am extremely excited because everybody listening to this podcast knows exactly how entrepreneurial and outside the box I am. So this conversation should be one of the best we've ever recorded. Fred, welcome to Power Producers. And before we get started. How about you just give us the 10,000-foot overview of your background in as condensed a fashion as you can, understanding how extensive it is? Well, thank, number one, thank you. And number two, after that introduction, I say we just end it right here <laughs> and, <laughs> and people can go find me because that that was uh, uh, right from the heart and actually in a microscopic way, really uh, talked about my whole life. Uh, you know, they say they say you spend the first half of your your career working on your resume and the second half working on your eulogy. And I'm on that second half journey to really empower other people. Uh, that's why my last company that I've started is called Idea Pros at ideapros.com. We help entrepreneurs with anything that they need to, to get better. In fact, we have a whole bunch of free stuff there on the blog page. I have tons of free content every single day uh, on Instagram at official Fred Carey, C-A-R-Y. But the reason I'm here is to help get your guys, your audience focused on the fact that no matter what it is that you're trying to do to, to change your life and to change your living, I can show you how to do it in a way that's going to get you successes that you're probably not even imagining. So talk a little bit about your background, your history of going through uh, acquisitions or taking companies public. I mean, 
were those ideas all things that were similar or around the same general uh, vertical inside the economy? I mean, or was it just completely different businesses over over uh, that you had started over time? Yeah, you know, some people describe themselves as a serial entrepreneur. And, and the first time I heard that phrase, I thought, wow, that was brilliant. And, and now I've heard a million people say the same thing. But uh, I'm more the kind of schizophrenic entrepreneur in the sense that if you look at all the different companies that I started, they're all different. They're from, from restaurants to e-commerce, to hardware, software, finance, uh, just literally everywhere, communications. And the consistency, if you look under the covers, is whenever I go into a marketplace, and this is going to be important for your audience and whatever they do. I really try to understand that market opportunity, make sure that it's robust and make sure it's growing, but most importantly, find the hole. Where, what is not being served? Because now I've already got, I've proven everything, right? There's a market, it's big, it's growing, there's an audience, and there's a whole bunch of people that are not happy. That's the hole, you know? So with every single company I went into that I was successful in, I found that hole, I filled that hole, made the one-star reviews of my competitors, my five-star reviews, and that's how I gained audiences, that's how I gained tractions, that's how I was able to take companies public. So why such an eclectic mix? I'm interested because, you know, running a restaurant is completely different than running an e-commerce business in the day-to-day nuts and bolts. Certainly business philosophy can be similar in terms of culture and hiring practices and things like that. But, you know, I can tell you from my perspective, and my audience knows this, I have very, very severe ADHD, diagnosed, supposed to be medicated, don't take my medication because I feel like it makes me lose my edge. And as a result, I literally sit in an office that looks like a cockpit, you know, (laughs) ground zero for NASA with so many monitors. And I do a lot of public speaking. And when I do, I tell people, you know, every single day when I come to work, I operate like a typewriter, man. I start on my left monitor. And when I get sick of that, when I go here and here and here, and then I go back to the left and start over again. And the analogy that I use every time is if I were an air traffic controller and you told me when I got to work at eight o'clock in the morning that I had 15 planes I needed to land by five o'clock that night, I would land all 15 of those planes perfectly. If I got to work at eight o'clock in the morning and you told me that I had one plane that I needed to land by five o'clock, you needed to pray to God that you and your family were not on that plane because <laughs> I, I can't concentrate. And so, you know, I look back over over my life and a lot of the entrepreneurial things that I've done. And it is, it seems like you almost go to something that's complete opposite of what you've done because it stimulates a different part of your brain. It's more of a challenge. At least for me, that's the case. And I mean, I've had everything from an insurance agency to a massive e-commerce platform to a landscaping company. I have not dipped my toe in the restaurant space yet, although I do love to cook and that's always a possibility. But, you know, the insurance industry in and of itself has provided a great path to me and everybody listening to this podcast to go out and build generational wealth, man. I mean, we're not schleps out here you know, just hawking policies, the, the, the group that, that listens to this podcast are all well into six figures of earning and many of us are into seven annually. So, you know, we get the opportunity, at least I do, to invest in a lot of other people's entrepreneurial ideas at this point. 
And so it's been really cool for me to scratch the entrepreneurial itch just through some of the angel investments that I've been able to make for seed stage companies as opposed to going out and doing the whole thing myself. Well, hey, that's a good a good opportunity because uh, my company's just uh, going on Start Engine to do an equity-based crowdfunding shortly, and um, we'll keep your audience posted, but look for Idea Pros on Start Engine in the next month. What's really to answer your first question, you know, well, how, do, how do I get all over the place and, and how unusual that is, although you proceeded to say you've done exactly the same thing. Um, I'm just, I'm a person that's in the creation process. That's what makes me tick. I was a musician at first. I write poetry. I write songs. And for me, it's all about the creation. And so when I go into a company, I don't necessarily, or a, a specific type of business, I don't look at my expertise in, in the business. I look at my expertise in finding opportunities and finding the structure needed to go from a concept to a nationwide launch. Those pillars are the same. In fact, that's how I built Idea Pros on the pillars of sameness of whatever type of business you want to launch. You have to do several different things. Number one, you really have to understand the marketplace. You know, what's the market? What's the market size? What's the market growth? Who are the competitors? What are they good at? What do they suck at? Well, what is that audience yearning for? And how can I serve that audience so they become my loyal fans? And then I really get into the naming, branding, positioning. How am I going to be different? How am I going to be, um, how am I going to be the Apple to the IBM and Microsoft and digital equipment and all those companies that came in? How am I going to be the Virgin Airlines, uh, British Air, Japan Air, Air France, American Airlines? How am I going to be that differentiator that the audience is going to stand up and say, whoa, these people are different. They're better. They're new. I want to be there. And so that formula is the same in anything. And even with you guys doing insurance, if you're not doing a side hustle, if insurance is all you're doing, you got to think the same way. When you think like an entrepreneur, you can make a hell of a lot more money because you're offering things in a way different way than your competition does. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I say all the time is, you know, we're in a very average and mundane industry. Like there's nothing overly sexy about the insurance industry. And in fact, you know, from a sales standpoint, when you go out and you get in front of a new prospect, as long as you have an insurance license, you're dressed relatively decently, and you can talk enough to let them know you have some understanding of what you're doing. We all look the same to a prospect, period. Prospects who buy what we sell, they don't care about features and benefits of an insurance product. And yet I see my competition over and over and over again, talking about here's the exclusion you have, or your agent screwed this up and didn't put this coverage in place or whatever else. When in reality, they're focusing, they're they're running a fool's errand, right? Because there's only so low that you can drive a premium on an account. You know, the underwriters have to make money or there wouldn't be insurance carriers. And so I tell the crew that I run with, You've got to make yourself uncommon in a common environment. Number one, you have to be that dot of red in the blue ocean or whatever, you know, the different analogies are. But um, at the end of the day, that that that's really it, you know. And so from our perspective, what that looks like in the insurance industry, at least with the commercial, the types of commercial accounts that, that we represent is. 
there's a lot of crap that goes into underwriting that has nothing to do with the actual policy itself, right? What's the culture of the organization? What's the hiring practice? Do they have an employee handbook? How do they train people? What do they do with those records? And see, we understand that those things do have an impact on the premium, but when we go in to close a deal or to even set the deal up to close, the reason we're asking questions like that is because they have nothing to do with, with the insurance itself yet, everything to do with the insurance, but we're leading them to see that we have a solution that solves all those problems that they may not even have known that they had when we start peeling back the different layers of the end. Yeah. And, and those are great questions. And that's part of how you differentiate yourself, right? People don't like to be sold things. They want to buy something that they need. And if it's the same thing. There's the old adage of sell me this pen, right? And everybody starts talking about, oh, this pen is great and it writes really well and it does that. Hold on. Your first question should be, how long have you been looking for a pen? You know, I don't need a pen. I, I, I never, I hate pens. I never, okay, see you later, right? So the very first question with insurance or with anything else is you got to figure out what the need is, you know, uh, and it may you sell commercial insurance to to businesses that we do? Okay, so you know it 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 may be uh, that the first questions are more like how important is protecting your assets and your employees to you? Uh, how how important on a scale of one to ten? How much do you care about that? Uh, well, God, you know it's a ten. I care about that a lot. Well, let me let me ask you this: uh, there are probably 15 different sets of benefits that you could be use, utilizing to, to really, really maximize the return, probably for as much or even less than you're paying now. I'm happy to explore those things for you. And you can see if any of this stuff makes sense for you. Uh, if it doesn't, then you've gotten a lot of free advice for really a few minutes of your time. So when would you like to start talking about these things that you can do? Because there are several new programs that I think could be a real benefit for your employees that you probably haven't even been informed about. And right, so gathering your expertise, don't talk about how much insurance do you have, how much you want, I can save you $30. You start focusing in on what their need is, what their desires are in front of them. So you're really flipping the switch and they're almost questioning you about how they can get more of these things than you trying to force it down their throat. Yeah. So the way that I explain it, when I go into a new business meeting um, at the very end, after we lay out our value proposition and the fact that we have the ability to provide at no additional cost, a learning management system to train people in the top loss drivers that we've seen on their loss runs and all of that, we're selling 100% our agency platform. That's what makes us different. You know, it's the investments that I've made in technology. It's the self-service options for certificates of insurance for contractors so they could get something into their end user's hand faster than they could email me asking for it. Yet my competition takes 48 hours to turn it around. They get it from me in under a minute. Uh, you know, but we lay all of that stuff out through asking questions that we already know the answers to because we do have a lot of public data available to us before we ever walk into that appointment and we know the angle that we're going to take. But after laying all of that out, I explain to people, look, you know, because they do ask, I'd love to have all of this, but man, I don't, I don't know that I can afford it. Well, that's actually the good news. It's lucky for you that I view insurance as the 
commoditized shuffling of paperwork. It's certainly a cost of doing business, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. If my value proposition is what you want, it's very easy. You can allow my firm to handle your insurance needs for you, and we can use the commissions derived from the placement of your policies to be the funding mechanism for the value proposition you really need. You can buy your insurance anywhere. You're just not going to get this if you go there. And our value proposition, even though it is a bit cliche and somewhat of a buzzword these days, it'll stand on its own against anybody in the country. And you know, I'm 100% confident in that because I understand where my spending is on my income statement versus best practices studies for my industry, right? I spend more money in technology and marketing than I should, but my EBITDA is also best in class because I cut the costs in other places. And I think, you know, maybe that's something that's worth mentioning a little bit. You know, when you have entrepreneurs, a, a lot of the time, man, I hate to say this, but, you know, they have a great idea, but they don't have a plan. You know, it's ready, fire, aim. And they don't take the time to put together pro formas. They don't take the time to write a business plan. And, you know, they got a few bucks in the bank and then all of a sudden they don't. And they can't tell you where it went because they weren't intentionally telling their dollars where to go inside of the financial statements every month. And that's why so many of these businesses fail in the first year. Yeah, there are two reasons businesses, new businesses fail. The one is not having the capital because they... To your point, they don't understand how they should be spending, how they should be protecting, how they should be making sure that they're only doing the things they need to be doing. And number two is that they've they've created something that nobody needs or they're just a, the, the same one-off, right? So if I were going to start an insurance company, I, I, I would an agency, I would really look to what do people hate most about insurance agencies? That's where I would start. For me, I even hate the word insurance. I don't want to hear the word insurance, right? I don't want to. That's why my company is Florida Risk Partners, not Florida Insurance Agency. Right, right. Risk risk management and total cost of risk for that very reason. Right. And so, like, somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to talk to you about insurance. I'm, like, turned off right away, you know, when, when instead, if I do surveys and I do research and I find out you know, what is everybody else doing and what do people hate about what everybody else is doing and how can I take that and turn it into a positive? So let's suppose we do a survey and you can do a survey in SurveyMonkey, by the way, for a couple hundred dollars and, and interview 200 random people asking the right questions to find out what do you hate about insurance? What do you love about insurance? Why is it important to you? Whatever those questions are, when you're done, now you have a data set. So let's let's suppose we find out 76% of people get turned off the second they hear about insurance. Then what am I going to do with my agency? All right, I'm crossing that word out like you did with risk. What 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 is what is it? Maybe it's protecting your assets, maybe it's preparing for the future, maybe it's making sure that you're covered, maybe ma- making sure that your assets are bulletproof. Maybe making sure that your employees are well or well protected instead of words like insurance, right? If and again, I have no idea whether that's a bad word for most people or not. I just know that when I hear it, I want to hang up the phone. So find out some way of expressing yourself as it's different. Then actually position yourself as different. Let's suppose you're in an area where there's eight different insurance agencies. I can guarantee you all of them are going to be the 
Japan Air, Air France, American Airlines, British Air, they're all going to be doing everything the same. How do you become that Virgin, Virgin Airlines of the insurance field? You know, is it dressing different? Is it having your offices look different? Is it making sure that what you talk about is a completely different thing? Is it simplifying what people are getting in a policy? When I get my policies in, even for my business liability policy, I have to constantly call my insurance agent. Hey, am I protected for this? Do I have that? Do I, you know, maybe there's a bullet point system and I don't know the legalities of it, but if I had an agency and I could do it, I would make it really simple. Hey, here's your con- your contract. It's full of legalese. I put down the, the 10 bullet points, where you're protected, where you're not, what to do when certain things happen, plain English. Here it is for your reference. What I want to do for you is every couple of months, I want to meet with you, go over your business. I want to be your partner. I want to make sure you continue to be protected. You have the right amount of protection. And I'm going to talk to you every couple of months about anything new that's out there in the horizon that you may want to take advantage of. Now you start becoming a partner. And when you become a partner with somebody, they're not a customer anymore. They become a passionate advocate of you and your brand and your company. And the best way to get more business is to have a whole bunch of people that are really passionate about what you're doing. And that's going to create the floodgates that you're going to need to grow what you have. Yeah. So our number one differentiator, number one is a risk management advisor. I would never put anything about coverage and bullet points because God knows the one bullet point you forgot to mention is going to be the one you get sued over. So leave the contract stuff to the insurance companies, in my opinion, anybody else listen, you do whatever you want. But um, how we handle that is we do every quote we do every, every time we engage with somebody, we do a video proposal for that. We do not, we do not propose on paper. We do not go and ask somebody to invade the middle of their day for an hour to sit and talk about something they don't want to talk about. We take the time We attach all of the paper quotes to show that we went to the marketplace, but then we give a 10, 15, 20-minute narrative of these are the things we were concerned about. Here is how we fixed them. Here are some things we would recommend. I'm going to need your approval to do that, but the associated cost is here. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is so far out there compared to what other people do and the fact that they can click a button and say, I'm ready to move forward with your operation go ahead and let's find coverage as is or click a different button, ask questions. But what it does is it allows people to consume the information where they want to consume it. The number one problem salespeople have is they're trying to force their agenda on somebody at a time where they don't want to talk to them. If I can put a video proposal together, and let's use homeowners and and personal lines for an example, even though majority of our accounts are between a quarter and a half million in premium, well, personal lines is where this really, really starts to to gain traction, you know, you got the husband and the wife. There's it's pretty rare that they make any kind of decision without at least some sort of consultation with each other. And I can't tell you the number of times where I've gotten an email back or a review on Google that says, man, your video proposal was out of this world. You know, we got the kids put down, the kitchen cleaned up, poured ourselves a glass of wine to sit on the couch and watch TV and said, oh, you know what? Florida Risk sent us the proposal. Let's watch that quick before we start watching Yellowstone or whatever. And they sit down and they do it. And then they can have a conversation about it. And it's done at that point, right? It's beautiful because if they want to go back and make reference to it, they always have that ability. It also works really, really well for the agency because if they if they choose not to take your advice on something, we have record where we offered it in both 
video as well as writing, including a signed rejection form. But God forbid they have some sort of a claim and it, you know, maybe it's uh, their house was built in the 1930s and they had an issue with the electric and it hasn't been updated in 30 years. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's a claim that comes through and it knocks out a portion of, of the electric and they have somebody come in to fix it and they have to bring the whole house up to code you know, through increased cost of construction, and they decided they didn't want to up their ordinance and law limit like you told them that they should, you can go back and say, hey, at two minutes and 37 seconds of the video proposal is exactly where I told you you needed it to be 50% of coverage A as opposed to 25% of coverage A. Now, obviously, that's not the way I would deliver that message if somebody's getting bad news. But from a protection standpoint, for my own errors and omissions, we have complete documentation. Now that also can go both ways. We could give bad advice and have it on record too. But you know, that's that's just one of many ways we have chosen to stand out amongst our peer group. And we get really, really good feedback from it. And that's not isolated to just personal lines and small commercial. I've written deals over over two million in premium where the proposal for the insurance piece of it was all done over video. When back in the early part of my career, I was putting on a custom suit, a heavy start shirt, a tie, and walking into a conference room and planning on spending an hour and a half or two hours. Now you can get the whole thing done. Maybe it is an hour and a half for two hours for you to prepare it, but your end user gets it done in 20, 30 minutes, and they love every minute of the fact you're adding time back to their day, but yet they understand everything. People need to be educated. They don't need to be sold. That's the number one issue that I see. In my, in my business, right? Nobody out there, there is no college course titled how to procure insurance for your middle market company. They learn when they get in the role where they're the person responsible for buying the insurance. And unfortunately, my industry is the one who teaches them. And historically, we've done a really bad job because we only focus on the policy because that's what pays us. If we can go in and have an educational and operational discussion with the business owner, we're going to win way more than we're going to lose. And we're certainly going to beat the people who only want to sell a product that gets them paid without taking time to understand what they're actually writing. So you touched on a couple of, well, several, but a couple of really important things. And, and this is for everybody in your audience. You're the expert. So you got to come off as the expert. You you have to assume that when you glaze, when people's eyes start glazing over because you talk about you know, the coverage available in section 48.7B3, paragraph 2A, uh, they're not going to understand it. And so if you, the best way to get somebody to want to buy from you is if you are the expert and you are perceived as the expert because then there's a trust factor involved. So hold your horses, take your time. Don't tell people right in the very beginning, how much insurance do you think you need? Talk about your what you do in general. Talk about your education. Talk about your experiences. Build up your rapport with people by having a common dialogue expressing yourself as an expert, then really hammering in on the fact that I'm here to help you do what's right for you. Okay, I'm going to give you some education. I'm going to tell you about the different things that are available. Any follow-up questions you have on any of it, I'm prepared to kind of sit and work with you because I know this is like speaking French to a lot of people. Make sure that people don't speak French before you start that that part of the dialogue. And, and educate when you educate, that's why I get 
look, in my business, it has nothing to do with insurance. It has to do with, with entrepreneurship, which many insurance people are, are entrepreneurs. But I've had 100,000 applications in the last two years of people to come work with me. And the reason I've had so many applications is people look at me as the expert. I want to work with a guy that can help change my life. And you have to position yourself and your, your own business that way too. You are the expert. Lead with that. Build a rapport. Build your expertise. And then ask them how they can get help from you. Not, not what they want to buy or how much they're looking to spend on a premium or things like that. Build the rapport first. Express yourself as an expert. Make sure they believe it. And then you can have a consultative engagement with them that is much different. And you're going to get a lot higher closes. And you probably, on average, sell much bigger premiums. Yeah, I think the other thing, you know, that a lot of people get irritated about is how much money we make, right? So... I hit that right between the eyes every time I'm in a meeting. I want people to know how much I make and I want them to appreciate writing me the check because they get a return on that money when they pay me. And so I happen to believe, and I know that a lot of my listeners are not going to be happy. You can save sending me the emails. You're not going to change my mind. I happen to believe that the compensation model in the insurance industry is flawed. It's exactly backwards of where it should be, right? And you can't go in and, and talk to somebody who's paying $5,000 in premium like this. But if you have somebody who's spending $500,000 in premium, then there's somebody out there that's making probably fifty dollars or $75,000 in commissions for their agency just by placing that one policy. Well, let's just say that they go and they close that deal and they're getting uh, $50,000 bucks and they don't do anything, you know, it's just, it's workers' compensation. They wrote the policy. They got a really good price, but that's it. You know, they they come in in three months and say, hey, how are things going? Well, we've had a few claims, but, you know, nothing overly major. Things are going to be okay. And they go back at six months and do the same thing. By all servicing standards, this person's probably doing their job okay. But the problem is they're not really paying attention. They're, they're not going in with data, with loss runs, saying, well, actually, I do have some concerns here. Let me tell you how this is going to affect your experience modification factor and ultimately drive up your premium. And because they're not doing that, renewal comes around, the experience mod has jumped up, and now that policy isn't 500000 anymore. It's moved to 600000 and that person just got a $10,000 raise because you had poor performance. How is that an equitable model of compensation in any industry, right? So the way that we operate, and it's another huge differentiator for us, is we prefer to service fee our business, just like an attorney or an accountant would. I would maybe go into that same $500,000 account and say, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to take the commission out of this deal. So when you get your quote from the insurance company and the policy is bound, your premium will actually be reduced by the amount that my commission would have been. And instead of me getting my payment from the insurance company, I'm just going to bill you quarterly for $12,500. And I'll make the same amount that I would make in commission for my agency, but I'm going to get it directly from you because that way is your insurance creeps up. Or if I have to come in and give you a recommendation, you know up front with absolute certainty, I have no financial incentive for that advice other than to give you the best advice that I can because that's what you're paying me for. But we don't stop there, right? We give two different options. Maybe instead of me taking $50,000 for that, 
I would be willing to do the deal for 40,000, but we have an idea that your out-of-pocket loss costs are somewhere between three and $400,000 a year. And we can build a KPI around that that says for every $100,000, we reduce those total out-of-pocket loss costs. We get a $10,000 bonus. We'll cap our bonus at $60,000. So your worst case scenario is you will have saved $200,000 if you pay me sixty. dollars there's not a CFO out there that's not going to listen to that conversation. Number one, because it's different. Number two, because it makes financial sense. I get paid more for lowering costs. So let's take it one step further. Four years from now, I've gone in and done a bang up job for this client. I've cut their workers' comp premium to $250,000. If I were an agent that was taking a commission, I would have also cut my own compensation in half because I did a really good job flawed on the agent's side at that point. But meanwhile, because I'm on a service fee and I'm getting paid to offer risk management advice, insurance advice, and place the policies, I'm still sitting at $50,000 a year. And there's a 100% chance I'm going to go back to my client and say, look, over the last three years, we've cut your costs by a quarter of a million dollars annually. I'm not asking you for a lot, but I'd like at least 10% of what I've saved you so that we are on a $75,000 fee and we can continue to drive your costs down. I get rewarded the less somebody pays as opposed to going in and letting my own paycheck get inflated because I'm not going in and doing anything except placing a policy. Yeah, so you probably got a lot of pissed off people right now on, on your show, but you know what? It's a brilliant idea. And and let, let me see if I can even simplify it a little more. But I love where you're going. And then, in fact, that was going to be a question even before you started talking about this, because I'd already been thinking about that scenario. As an agency, do you have to take a fee or can you waive a fee and then the premium gets reduced by that amount? I think you've answered that question. You have the ability to waive a fee. But I can't imagine a more powerful argument than going into somebody and saying, look, I know that right now you're spending about $500,000 a year on your insurance. And 50,000 of that at least is going to the amount of money that whoever sold you that insurance is getting. They have a self-interest in making sure that you're spending 500,000 or more. What about if I can get you in a policy, I'm gonna waive every single fee that's involved in every policy you have in the savings that you have, as you say, you're just going to pay me on a monthly or quarterly basis. My job is going to be to look at your insurance, make sure it's the right insurance as things change in your business, to find ways to reduce that insurance amount. And you can pay me over a year what you're paying up front right now. But now you have an expert that's on your team, that's part of your team, that will work directly with your CFO or your accounting department or your HR group, whoever you want me to work with, and will be one of your contractors. That My job is to make sure you're protected in the best way. And when I get your fees reduced, which I promise I'm going to, I want to have a little percentage of what I'm able to save you. So it's going to be a best case scenario for you. Instead of paying up front, you're paying over a year and you're going to reward me for reducing your insurance costs instead of paying me inflated rates. Because every year, if you stay where you are, your costs are going to go higher. It's a great argument. Great argument. Yeah. And the other thing that we do too, and this is where we really, you know, 
really, really differentiate ourselves is we're not going to, you know, the, the industry by and large is going to start calling on people around renewal, 60 to 90 days before renewal. I don't care. I'll call you a month after you renewed. If your problems are bad enough, you're going to be willing to hear what I have to say. And that's actually who my ideal client is. But the thing is, you know, most of the time you you find errors in the experience mod calculation, or you find issues with audits where things weren't classed correctly, or payrolls were included that shouldn't have been. And as a result, the client paid too much. So when we go in and we sell them the value proposition, even though we're typically not going to be compensated until we place the insurance, we can start working for them immediately if we're on a service fee, because it's all going to come out in the wash at the end. So if they want me up front, I can determine what my annual fee is going to be. We can engage in that. We can immediately start doing the safety, loss control, risk management stuff that we do to make that polished when it's time to submit it to an underwriter for insurance. But more importantly, what we can do is we can even save them the money and say, look, it looks to me like your mod is wrong, or it looks like your audit from last year was incorrect, right? And the example that I use on this is we had an account here that was that paid 1.4 million in workers' comp premium before they met us. And I went in and cut a deal with them, showed them our technology, showed them our client portal, showed them our HR services, all of the things that we're able to deliver. And I said, look, I said, let's just use found money for right now. We'll get to the service fee part at renewal, but I feel like we can recover some decent money for you based on what this audit looks like. How about we just go ask the carrier to reopen the audit? I become a bulldog, get your money back, and we split whatever I get back 50-50. Is that fair? They said, well, no, not really. We want you to get 30% and we'll keep 70. And I said, fine. If that's what if that's what the deal is, that's what the deal is. Well, I also knew what I was going to be able to accomplish just because, to your point, I am an expert at this point in workers' comp. And so for two and a half hours worth of my time, I recovered $1.3 million for my client. 30% of that was mine for two and a half hours. But they would have never gotten that money. And and so people are like, well, nobody's going to pay you that. Sure they are. They wouldn't have had any of that money if I wouldn't have come in. That's a small ask for me to be able to recover you know, 800,000 for them, they were just under a million dollars recovered that they never would have gotten back if I wouldn't have been involved in that. Yeah. And I think, again, you know, you're doing a I'm sure some of your audience does the kind of homeowners stuff and some of the tactics that you're utilizing, they may not be able to use in it. But this is the out, out of the box type of thinking that you really need to do to differentiate yourself. If you have a business policy, what owner is going to say no when you come to them and say, look, I know you have these kind of insurance premiums. I know you have these kind of policies. I am willing to come in for free and audit what you have and let you know if there's any places that you're missing or any places that you're paying too much or any opportunity for you to save a bunch of money. Do you want me to do that or do you want to just let the insurance company keep everything you gave them? Who, who's going to say no? Hey, that's not going to cost me anything. No, it's not going to cost you a thing. But here's what I'm going to do. For every $100 I save you, I want 30 of it because uh, it's money that you're never, ever going to see. And I want to find, find found money for you. And then after you see what I can do, I want to talk to you about becoming your in-house insurance group that can make sure that you're protected every year, every time with with the thought of making sure we can reduce these premiums 
and make sure you have the, all the coverage that you need as much as you need and not too much and not too little. I think I'd be, I'd be all over that as a, as a business owner, you know, and I'd want to talk to somebody that way. And so again, focusing on counting yourself as the expert and communicating that and proving it, that's where you get the real loyalty that you need to have somebody not with you for a year, have them with you for 10 years. Let me, I know it's your interview, but I want to ask you a question. No, absolutely, uh, is there a real opportunity to save money for self-insuring a piece of what you do as a business? And is that a potential vehicle? If you want to come in and you want to be the expert that's going to be a contractor working for them, is that part of the equation as well that, hey, look, you got a million dollars here. We, uh, we look at your all your policies. If you, if you can self-insure this one little piece of it, you're going to get some tax benefits from it. You're going to be setting money aside from it. And you're going to save 50% of this aspect of it because in our calculations, it looks like you're just way overpaying for what you're doing. Yeah. So actually how we brand ourselves is the outsourced risk managers for every account that we write. And it's not an insurance heavy discussion at all, to be honest with you. Again, I focus on the insurance being the funding mechanism for the value prop that we have. And part of that value proposition is we're going to come in and look at your loss history. That's what drives rates, right? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there slinging insurance policies thinks that when you get loss runs, it's just because you need to have those to send to the underwriter to quote. That's not how we think. We understand that loss runs tell us a story. They tell us the history of the account. I can go look at the loss runs on an account in 30 seconds and tell them everything that's wrong with their workers' compensation program, yet my competition never does that. I don't understand it. I can tell that if you had an injury happen on February 1st, but you didn't report it until March 7th, that's why that claim blew up. You don't have reporting procedures in place. You don't have an accident investigation system in place. You don't have an incident investigation system in place. I can look and see that if you have auto accidents that are on there that were not at fault for your driver, but because workers' compensation is primary, that's what pays out first. I need to question how come we haven't subrogated against the at-fault auto insurance that, that should be paying this claim, right? I can look at how much indemnity is in a claim for lost time versus what medical is there to just repair whatever somebody injured. And I can tell that if you have abnormally uh, an abnormal number of low dollar indemnity claims that you don't have a return or recover to work program in place in your operation. And so what my firm does is we're going to read that. We're going to understand that story. And then we're going to implement all of those things. We're not just going to hand you a paper and say, here's the program go do it. We're intimately involved in that. And at this point, it is morphed from us doing that all in person to us being able to deliver that through this device, through our cell phones, in a, in a full-blown learning management system that's OSHA compliant, that captures the training records in real time, that gives certificates of completion, but it doesn't stop there. Every single ounce of that stuff becomes something that is part of the submission that we make to underwriting to say, yeah, you know what? We know this stuff is on the loss runs, but this is everything that we've done in the last four months since we've been engaged, getting a head start and pushing towards this renewal. The other thing that I do, and there's 25,000, well, not probably not a whole 25,000 because I very, very rarely talk about this. But one of the other things that we do is when we go to work with a new account, we require them to give us an email address on their domain. We become risk management at 
their company because we want to be part of the team. We're on the email blasts that go out. If I need to deal with anybody internally, I'm not doing it under my brand. I'm doing it under their brand. And it's really, really cool for the culture. But guess what else it does? Who do you think that they have email when a competitor wants to shop somebody's insurance on their behalf? It's coming into my email address. I can keep my competition out of the account just by doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. And uh, these are all important lessons for for your audience. And it really goes to what I'm saying of, you know, being the Virgin Airlines of your industry. And even if you're selling homeowners policies and, and nothing more than that, it's a real opportunity to take these lessons and, and these techniques and apply them to any type of thing, regardless of what you're doing. I, in fact, um, go to something as mundane as, as, uh, as dentistry. Um, I, I have a friend that's been a dentist forever. He's very entrepreneurial and he wanted to kind of break the game up, you know? And so we've created something called Love Bites and we're going to be franchising it all over the country. The big pain points for dentists is so long in school, so hard to get clients, so much money in equipment. And they have these big, massive spaces because they, they, they do a terrible job of scheduling. So they have to have four different places for people to sit waiting for the dentist to go along. And we're completely revolutionizing that. Small offices, no waiting rooms, self-check-in, get your refreshments and things while you're waiting, learn about dentistry on, on the walls, get in a couple of different chairs and get people in, get people out, focus on one specialty, you know, minimal equipment costs because we're buying equipment for all over the country and everybody's taking advantage of them and leasing them. So that's revolutionizing a really plain Jane business where that's the highest suicide rate of all professionals in the United States because of the stresses involved in it and everybody hates dentists and we're revolutionizing it. You can do the same thing with your insurance agency. Look at what your insurance neighbors are doing and break the game up, you know, change it, disrupt it, find some way to be different than the rest of them. And when you can find a difference, you can find a premium. 100%. You know why I share so freely about what we do? Because I know that people aren't going to execute. I could stand on the mountaintop shouting every single trade secret that I have. And my industry is just simply not going to take the chance to do it because the harsh reality is they still know they can make 100 phone calls to get 50 people to answer, to get 20 people to meet, to get 10 people to let you to come back and present, and two people are ultimately going to buy. So they're just going to come back, and every day they're going to call 100 people because that's what the industry told us to. I have said since day one, I don't want to call 10 people to get one appointment. I want to call one person to get 10 appointments. If I can do that from a sales perspective, I'm going to be way, way out ahead of everybody else. And again, you have to, people, in my industry have to realize that we complain about how people buy from us. We complain about the behavior that they exhibit toward us, yet we're the ones who taught them that that's the status quo and that's what's acceptable. Stop focusing on selling the insurance piece of it. Go host a webinar on cyber insurance. Get a guy from the FBI, an attorney on cyber and a managed services provider and have an online panel 
where you interview them and simply educate your audience on all of the things they need to know about cyber. You don't even need to talk about the insurance aspect. The other people are going to scare the bejesus out of them, and they're automatically going to come and talk to you. But more importantly, don't waste that opportunity, because if you have that opportunity, that's an opportunity for what I call big rock content recorded. Put it behind a, a sign-up form on your website so that the people who couldn't attend live can go watch it on demand. Chop it up into sound bites and push it out to TikTok and Instagram and Facebook stories. Create a blog post from it by having you have a, a, a transcriber, so do I. Transcribe the entire webinar and create blog right. content out of it. Use the keywords that, that your transcription service gives you to optimize those posts for search engine optimization. I mean, I realize that what I'm saying probably sounds to a lot of insurance agents that are still sending courier and Ives calendars out at Christmas to be something from a completely different planet. But this is where we're at today, folks. This is the stuff you have to do to win. And we complain about creating content, content-based marketing, social distribution, and all of that. Yet those opportunities are in front of us every single day. We just miss them and don't capture them because it's not a priority to us. And quite frankly, many of our presentations aren't really worthy of being recorded anyhow, because it's nothing more than a used car salesman trying to push you into the O3 Fiat. Yeah, absolutely true. And let, let me say something that probably has never been said on, on this show. Um, there's a subset of you out there listening that should not be doing this. This, this should not be your feel. Like people, people stumble through their lives and find things opportunistically. And um, you can tell by speaking to you, by hearing what you say, that you're passionate about what you're doing. You're looking to find a different way to do it. And you're enjoying your life because you've associated passion with your career. There are a subset of people out there that are doing this because they can't figure out what else to do. And no matter how many times you come here and listen, no matter how many times you go see me on Instagram, you're not going to be happy doing what you're doing. So I think the first thing everybody has to do is do a gut check. If this is what you want to be doing, you got to do it better. And you got to think like this man does, that how am I going to be outside the box? How am I going to do things that are not the standard formula that, that I've been using? How am I going to break the rules? How am I going to disrupt the industry? But if it's not for you, you're never going to disrupt the industry. You're never going to listen to anything that's said on this show. You're never going to change whatever results you got now or the results you're going to get next year and five years from now. And at some point, you need to wake up and say, you know what? Maybe I, this is not my right choice. I'm going to continue doing this. I'm going to find my side hustle, as we were talking about before we went online, or I'm going to find out what I'm really passionate about. And I have a guy, one of my partners actually was in the commercial insurance business in the, in the Southeast, and he was the best and in his entire region, the best. And he woke up every morning and was not happy. And he was really into fitness and gym work and everything. And we worked together and he started two different companies. One's called Exponential and Edge, and the other one's called Renegade. And, and both of those companies have to do with gym and uh, one's gym equipment, the other one's gym advice. And he started both of those companies and he's so happy every single day working twice as hard, not making as much money as he was as an insurance agent, but on his way and really happy. So guys and girls, 
take a gut check first, make sure this is what you want to do. And if you want to do it, do it different, do it better. Forget that calendar. Nobody even has calendars anymore, for God's sakes. You know, do something different. Stand out in the crowd. And this, if this is not you, find what is you. Find your passion. And when you can align your passion with your business, you're going to have a great life. 100%, man. Couldn't have said it better. So listen, you said you have a lot of free resources. You know, I've been to your website. I actually knew about Renegade before you brought it up because I had been to your website. But tell everybody how to find you as we wrap up. Where can they go to get some of this information that you have out there for them? Yeah, all right. I'm going to give you a couple different places. Uh, number one, ideapros.com forward slash blog. Completely free. So one of the things I'm the proudest of that I had little to do with other than do all the speaking and my team put it all together. It's completely indexed, table of contents. Everything you want to know about entrepreneurship, starting your business, growing your business, marketing, advertising, raising money, all that stuff is all laid out for you and it's all completely free. And then on Instagram at official Fred Carey, C-A-R-Y, I talk about entrepreneurship, but I talk about life. I talk about having a positive mindset. I talk about personal development. I talk about doing the right things at home so you can do the right things at work. And uh, I guarantee you, if you watch that every day and you take these tips every single day, you're going to have a better life. But if you're one of the folks that um, has this great idea and, and maybe either wants to change industries or wants to see how to exploit this industry, we also have we also have different programs. Like for example, we have a, a, a course on entrepreneurship and having a better life. It's like a couple hundred dollars and people have said it changes their lives. You can find that both on ideapros.com and on my link tree on, on my Instagram page. And we can also do a validation package for whatever your new business idea is. You want to start something different. You don't know if it's going to be good. And I think that's around a thousand bucks. We'll do 40 page report on everything you need to know about your industry, size, the growth, the market opportunity, and teach you how to create a pitch deck to go out and raise money from that rich uncle that you have. But hang in there, keep it up, do things differently and align your life's purpose with what you're doing for a living. 100%, man monetize your passion. If you can do that, you'll never work another day in your life. Honestly, absolutely. That, absolutely. You know, you do it with a smile on your face every single day. Well, listen, I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with our audience. People go check his website out, check his blog, check his Instagram. I just sent him a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm getting ready to add him on Insta here in just a couple of seconds, but you're only going to get better if you surround yourself with people better than you. He gave you the roadmap for where you can go. You got to get in the car and drive there now. You've got to go to the blog. You've got to actually read it. And then if there are things in there that you're not executing, you've got to implement and execute. I understand there's so much information out there that we're all drinking from a fire hose most days. Pick one. Pick one or two things. Get them implemented and then move on to the next. But you can't just sit paralyzed in fear of pushing your business forward because you have information overload. That's just a BS excuse and not something that's going to allow you to be successful for the long term. So with that being said, Fred, thank you again. We're going to wrap up here. I really appreciate your time and hope to uh, talk to you again at some point soon. Take All care. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.